Hey everybody and welcome to another Torn Up interview and as always I am so appreciative of the valuable time taken out by the artists to speak with us here in the show. Now this is a lovely story because I a few days ago was at the Broadstairs Blues Festival. First time to be there, seen some incredible music but one of the acts I seen well, it just blew me away. It uh, was a young man by the name of Marcus Belafonte. And Marcus was actually gigging with his friend Roscoe Levi, who I had seen the previous night with his band, The Southern Slade, another phenomenal artist and band. And uh, we got chatting. And uh, look, this Marcus has a great story to tell. He's involved with a very iconic band, which he'll tell you about himself shortly. Would you please give a very big welcome to the Torn Up interview to the one and only Marcus Belafonte. Marcus, you're very welcome to the show. Uh, bless you, Jerry. Thanks for having me, mate. Ah, listen, man, you know, <laughs> I love music, uh, as you know, and, and whenever you hear something special, you get goosebumps. And when I hear you and, and uh, Roscoe perform, you know, at Broadstairs. Wow, what a delivery you have. How, what an interpretation of lyrics because you were doing some of the old blues classics, but you sang them as if the songs were yours. It, it, it sounded as if you'd written the songs. So to be able to do that, to be able to put that fire, that passion, that um, uniqueness into it as if it's your own song, it's a very, very special talent. But before we talk about the here and now, Marcus, I'd love you to tell us how your musical journey started. Was there music in the family or when did you first uh, come up to the microphone or pick up that guitar and, and do what you do now so well? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I suppose there was there has always been music in our family. My, my parents weren't musicians. Um, my mum played some piano. Um, we always had a piano in the house. And my, my, my dad... And my mum loved music, so we always had it on. To be honest, my earliest memories of, of, of being alive are all based around sitting around this massive record player we had that took up pretty much the entire living room and listening to Beatles records and Stones records uh, with my dad and sort of Cat Stevens and Joni Mitchell records with my mum. So we were always sort of, yeah, we were always exposed to this great music. And then when I was about eight years old, I was very lucky in the school that I grew up in in Camden. Everyone got the opportunity to take a music lesson. And that was that was just, you know, it was free. So everyone could do it. Uh, and I, I took a trumpet lesson and I really enjoyed it and thought, OK, well, I'd like to do this more. And for the for the next sort of eight years, really, I, I got better at trumpet. I joined orchestras, brass bands. I went and did tours with different orchestras and choirs playing with that. And I absolutely loved it and loved the classical music and the sort of folk music that we were playing. It wasn't until I was about 15 that I picked up the guitar, um, just basically because me and a bunch of pals at that time decided we should, we, you know, we were sort of all into rock and roll music, and this is in the 90s, so we were listening to lots of bands like Ocean Colour Scene and Pearl Jam and, and bands like that. And uh, we wanted to start our own band, so I picked up the guitar. My mum had a guitar at the house that I didn't know about, and she sort of got it out. And um, and then from then on, really, it kind of took over my life. Um, I still enjoyed playing the trumpet, but I, I got this kick out of making this improvised music with my friends, improvised rock and roll music, getting into playing jazz with some other friends of mine. 
and to be honest, it just spiraled out of control from there. And uh, and I, I just put all my time into into learning the guitar. Um, and then getting into the blues was sort of it came came from that really from listening to. Uh, I remember a kid at school playing me some Led Zeppelin and some Doors, and I'd never been exposed to that music. My parents weren't really into things that were that heavy and maybe that psychedelic. So once I heard those bands, I basically then was on a sort of quest to find out what made those bands sound like like that because I couldn't, I, I just couldn't believe the, the what I was hearing, and uh, and that's how I then got into like you said those. The, the, the blues musicians that I was sort of representing a lot of their tunes on on on, uh, on Sunday night um, and, and learn it kept on going back and back and the deeper you dive back the more you find and it's just it's just a fantastic journey. Yeah, but the thing that blew me away, Marcus, was like I I've heard many bands singing you know some of those blues tunes, but you were different because. You sang the song as if you'd just written it. You sang the song as if it was yours. The emotion, the the diction of it, it was... I could see, you know, when you sang some of the song, I could always be transported to where the story was being told. And that's a very special talent to be able to do that. And I could also see the love that you have for that big smile on your face as you're singing. It's so easy to tell how important it is to you, Marcus, and how much you actually are immersed in it and live it, and that when you sing those songs, you mean every single word. It's it's so easy to see, and, and it was such an honour for me to see someone like you that close up, because generally you don't get to see someone as close up as that and see the nice interpretation they did. Nice yeah, um, you look, the big venues are great and I've been in places where there's huge crowds, but you know what, the intimate venue, you know, where you're almost standing feet away, you soak up the complete atmosphere. And I think as an artist too, you kind of soak up the atmosphere from the people there too, because you can all, you can see them, maybe some of them you already know, and it's a kind of a really nice thing. Like the big gigs are great, and of course, uh, who doesn't want to step in front of thousands of people? And and you, there's an atmosphere there. It's a different type of one because it's a collective. But um, you know, doing what you did on Sunday, I I reckon it ha it's, it's special for us, and I'm sure it is for you too. But my God, the way you interpret the songs, it's unreal, Marcus. Bless you, man. I think you hit the nail on the head for me, really. There is, is, uh, is I do have genuine love for that material. Like, uh, I don't really know how else to describe it, but um, when I when I started listening to that music and, and and getting really into it, it it changed me as a person. I I, I genuinely do have love for, for 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 those musicians and that music. It's just, it's incredible. It's an incredible way of telling stories. And like you said. When, when you said about being transported to places, well, when I, I know when I'm singing well, if I can see, like, if I can see what I'm singing about in my head, if that makes sense. If yes, I it does. Close my eyes and see what I, see what I'm singing about, then I know I'm, I'm connecting properly because it's not just singing a song; it's it, it's everything you're you to, you're thinking about the song. You're like you said, you're living the song. I know it might sound a bit a bit grand because us musicians are always way too grand, but I suppose that's what makes us musicians because we're passionate people and when we when we fall in love with something we, we really go for it 
But you know something, Marcus, believe it or not, people like myself there actually connect with the... Like, I have the visions, you when you're singing the B.B. King song, you know, about, you know, I gave you a house, there's only a shack. Yeah, I, gave, I mean, I mean, but I, the way you say, I could see the big house. I could see this one. I said, no, that's no, I don't want... I, and, and I gave you seven children and you want them back. Or, you know, what, you, you know it, it was just... It was incredible, like, and and for me, you know, I, I'm not a musician. I play music. I'm a radio presenter. So I love to see people like you. I love to experience the music up front and personal. And I had such a great time, you know, with yourself and Roscoe and all the other incredible musicians. It's what it's all about. As far as I'm concerned, a radio presenter is not about sitting behind a desk and having a playlist handed to them. A radio presenter's job is being out there in the in the middle of things, in the vibe, listening to music, picking up on it, and then putting that stuff on his playlist and, and playing it for the wider audience. That's our job, and, and boy, did I have such a privilege over the weekend. And, and again, with yourself, you have a very special gift. And I can only imagine... Uh, and we'll get to it later on uh, as we talk. We'll get to the point where you talk about a rather well-known band uh, that you've been with now for a number of years. I can only imagine the interpretation you do on their stuff. But going back to those earlier days, then, and you become involved in the blues, um, then did you form your own band? Did you join another band? Or what happened when you got to the band stage, Marcus? about all things that are going on in the world of music so when we started out when we were 16 17 our first band was i think it was basically four people all wanted the band to sound like something different um because we were all kind of coming from different angles so it was a bit of a jumbled up uh sound i, I mean it was, we, we, did, we had a great time doing it and we did very well in camden and london around around the scene before we all went off to university but then it was sort of then that i start, started to sort of i mean the, the thing was, I'd only been playing guitar for about three, four years before I went to study at university. So, I, in, in my opinion, I actually wasn't very good. I had a lot oh. to learn. So, um, you know, I, there's a people who had t- sort of 10, 10 years on me uh, going up there. So that was an eye-opening experience and, and a really good experience for me because the, uh, the, the other people who were up there studying, in, in my opinion, were so far and away further further down the line in guitar than what I could do. I had a lot of people I could learn from and everyone was very generous uh, in, in terms of sitting down and playing. And I also had it for the first time, really, uh, uh, like, because I hadn't really had lessons I taught myself. I had a great teacher, a guy named Mike Walker and a, and a guy named Gary Boyle who were real instrumental in, in basically getting my stuff together and weren't afraid to tell me or, or at least highlight all the bits I'd skipped over in my learning process which were essentially the difficult bits and the theory, theoretical bits, but I had to learn them. So then I, I, I basically did a lot of session playing for different people, um, and it wasn't until about 2007 that I, I, I'd been doing lots of session playing and you know touring around the world and having a great time, but I, I realised I kind of wanted to do my own thing. So uh, it was then that I sort of actively stopped playing with, with other people, which a lot of people thought was... Actually, it was a bit of a crazy move. I did that. I basically cut off all my money-making uh, gigs and moved to London, <laughs> moved back to London and sort of trebled my rent from where I was living in Liverpool all in one week. It was a bit of a stupid move. 
but I knew I had to change something up and I knew I had to come back down to London and and start my own thing and at the beginning it was just me on my own because I I, I spent most of my money just living in London trying to trying to get on the scene and then I was lucky enough to form a trio with um, two great musicians Alex Reeves and Scott Weiber and that was my first blues three piece and then once I'd re- recorded and released the first record and we did the second record, things started to happen. And then we were then we were touring a lot around Europe and the UK, went out to the States and, and it and it just sort of started you know, started going from there really and it was it, it was a great time and continues to be a great time. That's fantastic. But you know, it doesn't improve a point, you know, Marcus. Sometimes you have to follow your gut instinct. And you, it would have been easy to stay in Liverpool. You're probably making reasonable enough money and doing what you're doing. But. And I love the city as well. I love the city. I love the people. I had loads of friends. There. Yes. And, and, and this is by no means uh, any sort of slight on Liverpool, but it's a small scene. It's, uh, and, it's, uh, and it's easy to get caught up in a small scene sometimes and, and get comfortable, I suppose. And I'm not. Sort of person. I don't like being comfortable. If I, if I start feeling comfortable, I tend to start ruining stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> make a move. yeah, well, I mean, I suppose it's like this you knew you had a lot more that you could do, and you knew that there was probably opportunities out there. And listen, I know in my couple of visits here to London that it's a fantastic city, the size of it, but the musically the opportunities here are immense. And you know, yeah. you've gotta yes, it's not the cheapest place to be and all of that. But if if this is your career, if this is what you want to do, then you yeah, you've gotta be here to do it. And so you proved a point, you did and 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 made it very successful and then, you know, move further on up the line and uh, you know uh, yeah, I'd let you continue to tell your story, how it evolved to, you know, maybe where it is now, but there's no rush on that. Take your time and tell it because it's a really great story. Never knew I had a voice till I left my home. It always said, don't speak till you've spoken to my child. Never was a friend of mine. I'd always say something when I should have said nothing. There are so many people talking, it gets so hard to speak. When your gun is loaded, don't point it at your feet. Careless love, they go hand in hand. It only took one word to make me understand. I always seem to find myself on the outside listening in. I wish I knew the story. I've got the punchline. Ciao, 
mistakes I make new ones every day I guess I'm always learning But it's starting to get old I'm pretty sure you understand But I never see a smile You were touring around the world with your own band, and and that was going very well for you. Yeah, and I suppose it's actually I've just thought when 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 just talking with you there, two thousand seven is still sort of a, a very much a sort of and it feels weird to talk about it in these terms, pre sort of like in like big internet influence on music. Like, yeah. I mean, I, the, the first smartphone was out in 2007. I don't think I even got one until seven years later than that, you know. You're so right. Actually, it did still feel like you had you had to move to London to sort of further things. Whereas I think now it's really not the case because it's great that people can do, you know, people can be connected and like, you know, maybe yeah. you can talk like this, you can do your radio show from wherever you yes. are. Yes, yes. So, I think what the re- yeah I think it might be weird people thinking well why did you have to move to London but in 2007 it still felt like you still did at that point. Well, I fully um, agree. Not so much yep. Now. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I came down here and um, I, I made a I made three three solo records and um and and touring and uh, but always in between that I've always worked with other other people uh, because I love I, I always feel like there's so much I could learn from other musicians so if the opportunity comes to work with another great musician i always take it so i, I still toured with a couple of uh, a couple of different artists playing just playing guitar for them and i was i was really lucky to to do that some some of them i still work with now and they have taught me a lot um and uh, just to name a few and i, I don't want to miss anyone out but i'm sure i will but i, I played with uh with pp with arnold for for a little while and she was fantastic she was just like a, a, you know a, an incredible singer with incredible stories and an incredible life um i learned a lot of her and also a guy from the uk named finley brown who i played guitar for for many years while i was doing my solo stuff and he was again an incredible songwriter and i, I yeah I, I, and a, a ridiculously beautiful singer and again, I learned a lot off of watching these people every night and listening to these people every night. And it, the way he sang was so effortless. And so, and I, I would always try and sort of work out how we made it so effortless so I could maybe get that into my singing in terms of, you know, as, as another sort of colour to it all. So it's been, really, it's been really nice to have done those sort of things. And I still work with a lot of these people now and still constantly learn. And then, I suppose, leading up to... 2013 um i'd done my third record and we toured that kind of exhausted it a little bit um and my daughter had just been born 
Uh, and you know, I was in a sort of slightly strange place where I wasn't really ready to do another record. Uh, I was a bit, I don't know, I, I wanted to spend time with my, with my family, you know, and, but I, I wasn't really allowed to do that because you know, I'd still go out and, and work and, and earn money because, you know, yeah. we were at this point living, living off a of blues musician's earnings, which, which was quite tough. So, uh, yeah, at that point, I wasn't really sure what to do, but I knew I didn't want to do a new record. I knew I'd, I'd sort of exhausted myself with that. So I was a little bit lost at that point. And then um, I got a call out of the blue from uh, a guy named Rick Lee asking me to join 10 years after because he was uh, looking for a new singer-guitar player for that. And that really, from then on, that sort of changed everything, really, um, for this latest chapter of it all. And it's been... The last eight years has been really, really incredible. And, and I've done some incredible things with that band. And again, learning at the, at the hands of the people that invented a sound, that were part of a scene that invented a sound that basically started off my musical journey. It's, um, yeah, it's been an incredible, incredible eight years. Wow. I mean, I, I didn't say who the iconic band was at the start of the interview, but I mean, you know, if you look at... Sorry, Terry, I hope I didn't no, 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 it's, it's, I, I wanted, no, I wanted you to say it because, like, at the time, you know, Deep Purple, Led Zeppelin, 10 years after Black Sabbath, they were right up there with the most iconic band. So, I mean, when I, when I uh, saw you, you perform, you know, at Broadstairs and then realised this is the guy that, you know, is up on stage with 10 years after and I'm saying to myself, wow, they picked a winner. They picked a winner, uh, you know. I, I I have not had the pre the pleasure the pleasure and the privilege to see ten years after with you, but I can tell you one thing is making it me mission that the first opportunity I get to see the band live, I'll be there because it. Well, I can only imagine. I can you're always on the guest list, mate. You're always on the guest ah, list. Ah, well, I tell you one thing: the next time that you're touring anywhere in Europe, I'll be definitely making a beeline for it because it's you have an incredible talent, and you know to to do something like that. I'm sure even for yourself at that stage to get the opportunity to to be a part of a band like Ten Years After, when you know the whole history of the stuff, it must have been a really special time you know, to get that chance. It was. I tell you what. I tell you a funny story. I remember this. Um, I remember this really vividly. I was in the kitchen uh, with my partner, and I'd had I'd had a phone call that week already from someone asking me to do um, a, a, a touring theatre show on guitar uh, with a hologram of Elvis Presley, and it was it was good. It was good wage. And yes, I do love the music of Elvis Presley. But I, in the back of my mind, I was thinking if I have to play it every night, every night the same. I think that might kill my love yes. of Elvis Presley. Yeah. And, but I remember her saying, you know, you've got to do this. And I was like, oh, I, I really don't want to do this. And she's like, well, then I, I don't know how else, you know, we, we need money. And yes. I, I understand. I understand, but I don't know what I'm going to do. And she was essentially not, not telling me, but, you know, she was making me aware, and I knew it, that I was in a in a room with only one exit at that point. I know. But then uh, a couple of days later, yeah, that call from Rick came in. And I remember when he phoned and he said, "Listen, we're gonna have to. You have to do a couple of things. We're gonna have to meet up." And I just remember thinking, "Ah, oh, this is the this is the one I want to do. And if this can come off, then I don't have to go and do the Elvis hologram show. Um, I'm sure it will it will pay all right, and we can go and. But this one I can actually have fun with. 
Um, but I remember standing in that kitchen, sort of half considering the Elvis hologram show, and just being so thankful that, that Rick phoned me a couple of days later. But he made me work for it as well. I remember he came to see me live playing an acoustic show, and we had a beer afterwards. And he said, "I, I enjoyed that." And um, he said, "But obviously, I, I need to see you play electric guitar." Um, I said, "Okay, brilliant. What do you want to do? Should we all meet up?" And he said, "Well, we can't meet up because Chick Churchill, the keyboard player, is currently in Australia for a month and a half with his son." So, um, can you record me a version of I'm Going Home and Love Like a Man so I can send it to Chick? And what I love about Rick and Chick and, and Colin as well is um, that their, their grasp on technology is just so, it's so beautiful. They, they just feel like, you know, that, that for them is like a 60s thing of just like, go in a studio and record a tune and get, get it to me by lunch. And that's what they used to do. You know, yes. They used to record an album. <laughs> in my head, I'm thinking, okay, I, I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. So the, um, I was on a tour and I had a day off the day after I saw Rick. I came down to London, phoned my band and said, look, can you do me a real big favour? I'll buy you a dinner if you, um, if you just record these two tunes with me um, for, this, um, for this audition. I mm. sent them off to, to Rick and he sent them to Chick. <laughs> In fact, Rick phoned me and said, um, sounds great, I'll take the whole band. Because <laughs> 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 uh, Matthew and, and Alex, you know, they, they, they put a hell of a lot of effort into it. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we had some rehearsals. He sent me about thirty tunes to learn, and um, and then we had some rehearsals, and uh, they went well. Uh, we only did about two or three rehearsals, but that was the spirit. Of Ten years after, he was like, "We just all you got to do is know how the songs start, and know how to sing the you know sing the songs." But everything we do after that is purely improvised. We, we'll, we'll just go. We, we'll, we'll just and I. It was music to my ears because that's what I'd wanted to do that my, the trio I had always had that spirit where we would every night we would try and make the show different not on purpose we'd just play to whatever mood we were in or whatever or react to whatever each musician did and to join a band like 10 years after who, whose whole ethos is that means I get to do that every night and yeah from then on I, I didn't expect us to be as busy as we have been if I'm honest um, I certainly didn't expect it to last 8 years and counting um and yeah, I think before the, the sort of enforced break of 2020, we'd done about 150, 160 gigs in 2019. And the boys were going, going strong and they still are going strong in their late 70s. Well, you know, and I, I know the, the guys you play are, are very talented. I know that. But you said you can't believe what's going on. Well, I, I can. Because because you have the talent, you have the... I, I, as I say, I cannot wait to see the band with you there because I know it's a special experience and that's why the band has went from strength to strength because they brought a beautiful soul in like you that has such passion, has such talent and I know the guys have massive talent too but I'll tell you one thing, they couldn't have picked a better person to fill the role and that's why the band's still rolling all as it is and will continue to do that because... Um, you just have that natural ability to like. I've seen how you can interpret, you know, the blues classics. I can only imagine what you're like with the classic ten years off. I just say it's incredible. So as I say, for me, such an honor to see you perform and to to have your friendship and and know you at this point is such a privilege. And you're only going to go get better and better. It's 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 just that simple.
And tell me something as regards as regards telling you any plan to maybe record some new stuff or or tours again when you when, when will you be touring Europe or UK or yeah. music? Well, that's, yeah, there's quite a lot. So we did uh, the first record I ever did with them was uh, again. This, this is what I love. I love I love the way this band treat and, and react to music because it's it's also it's also instant and they and, and it's always like yeah let's see what we can do let's see what we can do yes um the third gig i ever did with the band uh rick had recorded and was like this could be a potential live album and i was like oh rick man i don't know man i've only done it's my third show i'm not even sure if i if i did it you know and i'm not even sure what i'm doing i'm thinking about too much stuff and he was like oh no sounds great sounds great so i sort of managed to get him to agree to maybe let us do another like uh, we had I think another 15 shows on that run and I said to him maybe could we record like the last show of the run as well um, and we did and that was the one that ended up being the live album because I felt a lot more settled yes. in it um, so we did that live album which is called The Name Remains The Same and then we went in the studio uh, a few years later and um, 
the guys asked me to produce the records um, the, the, of, of new material. So we wrote a record all together called A Sting in the Tail, and that came out uh, a few years ago. And that was a joy. That was an absolute joy um, to have them all in my studio. Uh, I had a studio at the time, and just working with them and writing songs with them was an even bigger joy because they have lived some interesting lives. So writing with them was, was no problem at all. We, I, I was just, I, the only problem I had was not quick enough to get all the stories down on paper sometimes. But um, we did that and we just did another live album while we were touring the, the Woodstock um, sort of uh, 50th anniversary Woodstock sets. So that's a double album called Naturally Live and that's sort of the best representation of what the show sounds like. But then this year, Rick wants to do another studio album. We're going to try and do a, a almost like a kind of back to the blues record with them of, uh, of really going back to their roots and, and trying to make a, a record that really sort of, um, yeah, goes back to where 10 years after came from. And that's, we're actually going to be getting on with that in the next few months. So that should be out before the end of the year if, uh, if we're lucky. Wow, I tell you one thing, the adrenaline's even running in me at the minute when I think about that, <laughs> as if you do, that's going to be something else, and we'll be talking again, I'm sure, many times, if not an interview, we'll certainly see each other, but uh, that, yeah, excites, that excites me, I mean, you're such a joy to speak to, you have so much natural enthusiasm, you really love what you do, and, and you see that... With the and I know when you speak so highly of the other guys in the band, but that's infectious, you know. When everyone has the same feeling, when everyone has the same passion and spontaneity too, because you know spontaneity is important. That you're not just, you know, let's do it. That that you can sort of not be pigeonholed and 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 even you know the interpretation of the songs as you said yourself that you don't have to do it exactly the same tomorrow night as you did it tonight. That that you can that's great because. If you're a creative, yeah, yeah, and if you're a creative person, I mean, you will want songs. I think uh, songs evolve, and and they're like beings. They're like living beings. They change and tweak a bit, and maybe mature in certain ways. And they may start out a certain way in the studio, but you can be sure over a period of time that you evolve over that time as well, because they're a creation. Yeah. That's the joy of it, and that's the, that's why we, you know, uh, uh, why we love sort of touring and why playing is like playing. It matters so much as well to to the material. Is they 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 do develop each night. Some nights you, you you know you might do something new and go well that's quite cool. You might even go for it the next night, but do it even different the next night. And we did we, uh, the, before I came to Broadstairs, I was out in America with them doing the Legends of Rock cruise. Um, for the week and we had three shows and after the third show uh, we, we signed some autographs after the show and a group of people told us that they'd seen all three shows and Chick the keyboard player uh, sort of went what, why? <laughs> he couldn't quite believe it they went because it's different every night and we were, he was sort of like oh yeah he sort of takes it for granted that it's different every night but it was nice to know that the people who had seen all three shows acknowledged the, the fact that it was the same set list, give or take, but the, the, the way we undertook the tunes was different. What you see, that's beautiful, like, uh, it, and it shows the sign of creativity within the band that when you do that, and it's great for the person that's watching and listening because they got 
three different shows. They got, yes, they got the same set list, but they got three different interpretations of the same song. So they got a really great treat. I'm sure the point is they obviously knew that about the band, that that's what you did, and that's why they watched the three shows. And, you know, it again, even, you know, uh, you know when Roscoe said you had flew in, you know, early on Sunday morning, you've been to the States, and then you come to play at Broadstairs, it actually shows just how much you love this because to have that passion to put your body through the time zones and fly over there and do that and then have that big smile on your face and 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 sing every song with such passion ah it's it's just really special oh bless you well no, uh, listen, you're going to have it for many, many, many years to come. You have so much more to give. Marcus, on behalf of myself, on Graham, also Graham Hilling, a Londoner too, our, our show producer, on behalf of everyone here at Radio Home of Rock, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show and speaking with us here. It's been a real privilege and I'll certainly be watching out for the dates and chatting to you in between times. Thank you so much for talking to us here on the Torn Up interview. My pleasure, Jerry. And we'll catch up soon, Marcus.
Dankeschön, Dankeschön. Guten Nacht.